Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hallelujah. Daniel tonight, Daniel chapter 10, if you'll join me there in the Word of God. and We'll also be looking a little bit in the previous chapter, Daniel chapter 9. I'm excited to share this message with you tonight. What the Lord gave me to speak to you is profound and powerful and very, very much usable and relevant to our lives today on September 10th, 2023. And I pray that it will be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. As you know, I mentioned already this evening as uh, making the announcements, we are entering a time of corporate prayer and fasting in the next three days. And many of you have, uh, have participated in prayer and fasting with our church in the past. And what we typically do is on the Sunday night before uh, corporate prayer and fasting is, uh, is pastors will preach about this topic and why it's important tonight. So I want to do that this evening. And I want to encourage every one of you to join all of our brothers and sisters around the world that will be joining in this week as we call, in, call on the name of the Lord together for breakthrough in our conference uh, but more than that, how many know there's some needs in our lives? Maybe I'm the only one that has needs. But we have God-sized needs in our lives many times, and the only solution to a God-sized need is a God-sized answer. And if we're going to see the needs of our lives, if we're going to see any kind of breakthrough or answer or solution, we need to call upon the name of the Lord. The, lo- the longer I'm saved and the more I am connected with what God is doing, the more I realize that how powerless I am. In the face of all that we uh, encounter, in the face of all that's happening, spiritual warfare, I mean, no, y- y- the devil's smarter than you. He's older than you. He's more experienced than you. He has successfully tempted Millions of people just like you. He knows every strategy. He knows every trigger that can blow up, a, uh, that can detonate a destruction in your life. And if we're going to have any success in spiritual warfare, it's not because you have a, a, a hot revelation or that you, uh, you know, read a certain book with, for a certain preacher. The only way we can have success in these God-sized problems is if God gets involved. And this is why we need God on our side, and we need to be on God's side. And we're going to look in the Scripture tonight at the book of Daniel. Daniel is a significant book for many reasons, but especially what we're going to read tonight, Daniel in this story, in chapter 10, he has already reached the elderly years of his life. He has lived a long life for the Lord. He is a prophet. God has spoken to him. God has given him visions and dreams that have been accurately interpreted and useful, not only for him in his time, for the nation of Israel in ancient times, but also the prophecies of Daniel are still being fulfilled today. God used him powerfully to deliver a message to God's people And in this scripture, we get a view behind the curtain of some spiritual warfare that was happening during Daniel's fast, during Daniel's prayers. And I hope to encourage you tonight to see how powerful your prayers really can be. Because how many know Daniel is not some superhero? 
Daniel is not some superhuman. He is a man. Just like Elijah was a man. Just like Jesus was a man. Just like the prophets and the, the apostles. They were all men that, that simply tapped into the supernatural power of God. And if they can do it, you can do it. And my prayer is that this church, along with our other churches out of the Chandler wing, that we can tap into supernatural power these next three days. Let's believe God. Let's look at Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to skip to a few verses here, but let's start with verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. He said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you sent your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. I want you to hang on to that. If you got a highlighter or a pen and you got a paper Bible, that's what you need to zone in on tonight. Because of your words. Verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Verse 19, and he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you, be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. But but I will tell you what is noted in the Scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. Once again tonight, we are desperate for you to move. God, we don't take it lightly as we come together into your household. We're praying, God, that you would speak to every heart, God, and encourage every person here, Lord, that they have a voice that can be heard by you. And through that voice of prayer and supplication, through that voice, through the voices of your church rising up before your holy throne, Lord, you are able to accomplish great and mighty things if my people would call upon my name, humble themselves, and seek my face, then the Bible promises, Lord, that you will hear from heaven, that you will forgive our sins, that you will heal our land. That is our heart's desire in these next three days and going forward into the future. We thank you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Let's look. This is a message I've titled, Because of Your Prayers. Because of Your Prayers. And we want to begin by looking at God-sized problems. Uh, We've all got a few of them, some issues and areas of our lives that without God are impossible to conquer. Daniel certainly had some God-sized problems. The nation of Israel in their time had some God-sized problems. In fact, Daniel, uh, we know, lived most of his life as a foreigner in a foreign land. He he and uh, the, the three Jewish boys from early on in the book of Daniel, that they, uh, that they were all abducted as young men. Uh, that Babylon, the nation of Babylon, had come in and conquered Israel. Israel had turned in their time to worshiping idols, and as a punishment, God used the Babylonian Empire to conquer them and punish them for their sins against God. That is a real thing, and that can happen. And uh, so Daniel would have been one of many young people at the time that would have been snatched up and abducted by this foreign empire, taken back to Babylon, which is today in modern-day Iraq. 
And so uh, there he lived for most of his life. As I said, as he's writing this account in chapter 10, he is an old man now. He has lived most of his life. He only has long, distant memories of what it was like to live in the Jewish homeland in Israel. He has only long, distant memories of his youth, of the time when he lived free before being uh, captured by Babylon. In that time uh, that he was abducted, all of Israel was destroyed, and especially the capital, Jerusalem. They tore down the walls of the city. They attacked. They brutalized. They did all the horrible things that ancient warfare entails. They, only, they took away all that was uh, valuable from the city and dragged all of the treasures out of Israel back to Babylon, including the greatest treasure, which was the young men. The future of any uh, nation, the future of any city, the future of any church, by the way, is the young men and the young women too. But they would, they would have taken all of this away and uh, brought them back to Babylon. The idea of the Babylonians was to capture the next generation of every place that they conquered. And they would bring them back to Babylon and they would raise them and train them in Babylonian ways and put them in their army and their art craft and many, many uh, other things. And this would provide for Babylon a future generation and a hope. But for Daniel, he couldn't forget. He couldn't leave behind the culture, the faith, the hope that that lived in the God of Israel. So his whole life, he has been diligently keeping himself right with God. He has been diligently praying, turning his face toward Jerusalem three times a day as he did from his youth, keeping his customs, keeping his way of life, keeping his faith and his hope alive. But you know what? I wonder if Daniel ever thought to himself, Am I ever going to see Israel again? Will I ever make it back to my homeland? This this most powerful nation on the earth for which I am working, uh, I I don't have any choice in the matter, so I'm going to do my best while I'm here, but is this all I'm ever going to see? Daniel would think to himself. Will I ever make it back? This is a God-sized problem, isn't it? Does Daniel have the ability to conquer Babylon in his own strength? (laughs) No way. Does Daniel have, especially now that he is an elderly man, can he take up a sword and fight? No, he can't. Just like the time when the Jews were captive in, in Egypt, multiple generations have now passed. It's been 70 years of Babylonian captivity. They had gotten used to it by now. All of those young people that were captured, they had all grown up. They had all had their own children. Their children were still captive. The children of those children would have also been captive. We have multiple generations now that are just used to living in Babylon. Maybe the younger generations are picking up the Babylonian customs and religion. And it must have hurt Daniel to watch this happen to his people and his culture. And he's saying, God... If we don't get back to Israel, we're going to lose who we are in the faith. This is a God-sized problem. They wondered how long it would be until they ever made it back. I wonder tonight, you have any God-sized problems? You have any issues right now in your life where you're looking at the situation and wondering, will it ever get better? Will it ever improve? Is it ever going to even make a budge? We have long-term bondages and addictions. We have bitterness or fear or torments. We have anxiety. We have children. (laughs) We have estranged family members that we still care about but don't talk to. And we look at situations like that and sometimes... Of our own doing, our own fault, our own foolishness, bad decisions of the past, and led us to a place of bondage. And now, time has passed. It's like the cement has set. And we don't see any movement. We don't see any encouragement. We don't see any hope for the future. Maybe loved ones that are not saved, you pray for them every day. And you tell them about Jesus and they laugh in your face. 
That's discouraging, isn't it? Long-term disobedience, people we care about and love, situations that are beyond human ability. This is what we call a God-sized problem because there's no way for us to approach them. There's no way for us to argue ourselves out of those situations. Daniel had a few of those, and guess what? We still have a few today. You might have some right now that are popping up in your mind. What do you do when you have a God-sized problem? Well, you need a God-sized solution. And how do you invoke the power of God for your God-sized problem? Daniel, he knew his strategy. He had gone through this before. He is a man of experience. He has seen God move in miraculous ways. He watched those three young Jewish boys stand up to Nebuchadnezzar. He had watched them as they said, Oh, King, we know that our God is able to rescue us, but even if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your unrighteous idol. And they trusted in God. And Daniel watched as God saved them from the fiery furnace that was so hot that the soldiers that threw them in there got burnt to a crisp. But they came out unscathed, unburnt, and without the smell of smoke. They came out by the power of God. See, that's a God-sized solution for a God-sized problem. Daniel had seen miracles like this before. He'd had some experiences. He'd had some, some, uh, some places along the road that he can point to, some waypoints, and say, yeah, God moved back then, and so I know He can move today. I know He can still do what I've been believing Him for. This is why it's so important, church, to have some waypoints in your life that you mark it down in stone. When God does a miracle for you, you need to remember that miracle. In the Old Testament, where whenever God did a mighty miracle, they would always set up an altar. You remember when they went through the Jordan River? And this is what Pastor Greg has been preaching about memorial stones. They passed through the Jordan, and God did a miracle for them there. The water split open, just like it did for Moses. And Joshua said to them, you need to put up a stack of stones here. Why? Because whenever you pass by this pile of stones, your children will ask you, why is that pile of stones there? And this will cause you to tell the story of the miracle that God did in your life. This is why testimonies are so powerful. This is why Testimony Tuesdays are on my top recommended list of podcasts. Because it is simply a story of the memorial stones that God has done in other people's lives. And how does, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. This is why we come to church to encourage our faith to hear what God is able to do and what He can do in our lives. Dave, Daniel, he had memories. He had memorial stones in his life. Altars and piles of stones that had been built up. And he knew that God was able to move. But he didn't just rest in that knowledge. He was still willing to act. Look at what Daniel did. Daniel 10, verses 2 and 3. I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. He had practiced this strategy many times. And he decided at this time of his life that this is the moment that I'm going to start believing you, God, for a miracle. I need you to speak, Lord. I need you to do something for me. And he began to cry out to God, joined with prayer and fasting. Let's look at the anatomy of effective prayer and fasting. Let me first say tonight that fasting means nothing without prayer. If you are simply denying yourself food and not praying and not getting closer to Jesus, then you are just practicing a diet. And that is not going to amount to anything spiritually. You might lose a few pounds, but you are not going to be closer to Jesus. Fasting is a supercharger for your prayers. That's what it is meant to be because fasting, what it does is it turns our attention back to where it's supposed to be in the first place, which is on God. And so when we talk about fasting, it is about self-denial. It is about cutting off your flesh from the pleasures that you normally enjoy. 
Now, for Daniel, in this time, he decided, uh, he decided uh, I'm not going to um, eat pleasant foods or flavorful foods. I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to drink wine. I'm also not going to anoint myself. So this was... Uh, this is not a complete fast. He's not going water only. He's probably doing like a vegetable fast here. But what we're talking about when we're praying and fasting, we recommend during these three days of prayer and fasting is to go water only. It's a short amount of time. Most people can do that without too much difficulty. But this is personal to you. This is, uh, this is something that you're going to decide to do on your own, in your own convictions, Lord, I need to give up some things to focus my prayer life, to focus my attention back on you. So how do you decide what that is? Well, it needs to be something significant. Somebody's thinking, oh, pastor, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give up marshmallows for three days. Now, for some people, that might be a, a large sacrifice. I don't know. You know, we should do more than just say, uh, I'm going to give up celery sticks for three days. So... Okay, I can do three days without celery pretty easily. It's not going to hurt my flesh. When we're talking about fasting, we're talking about giving up something significant and important to our flesh. The things that we depend on. For me, I like to practice no food for three days. You can decide if that's best for you. Some people give up all connection to media for three days. Television, internet, Social media, apps, make your phone into just a phone for three days. What a radical idea. That would be like living in 1999. For some people, it's going to be relationships or a certain person or uh, who knows. But I believe God will speak to you. And if God doesn't speak to you, maybe you can default to uh, giving up food for three days. Now, I realize that some people have medical conditions that prevent you from being able to do that. You might not be able to give up all food, but maybe you could do like Daniel. I'm going to give up flavorful foods. I'm going to give up ribeyes. <laughs> I'm going to give up caviar. I'm going to give up bacon and eggs. I'm going to give up tuna sandwiches. Or we're going to limit our diet only to certain things. Maybe, uh, maybe a liquid-only diet. Maybe, I don't know, let God speak to you about that, but... The the important thing is that it has to be significant. You have to pay a price. Look at what Daniel did. He gave up pleasant food. You know, old people like food. He's an old guy, but he's giving up meat. He's giving up wine. He says, I did not anoint myself. That means he went ashy for three weeks. He said, I'm going to pay a price in my flesh. Not just to make myself uncomfortable. That's not the point. The point is to focus our attention on where it's supposed to be. Back on God. Fasting does not work without humility. Say the word humility. How do you become humble? Well, fasting really helps. You know why? Because when you are skipping meals, you realize very quickly how weak you are. When you skip breakfast, and then you skip lunch, and all of a sudden you're getting all dizzy, Oh, your legs start feeling like spaghetti. And then you're like, oh God, I need you. Fasting brings humility. And that's exactly where we need to be, isn't it? True fasting produces humility. And if it doesn't produce humility, you're probably not fasting something that you need to be. How does fasting work? When you begin fasting connected with Diligent prayers. If you flip back one chapter to Daniel chapter 9, you can read about another time that Daniel fasted. And we get a window into his prayer life. What was his prayer life like during fasting? Daniel 9 verse 4 says, I prayed to the Lord my God and I made confession. Say confession. You're not going to get far with God without confessing first. God, i got to be real with you. There have been some things that I've been allowing in my eyes, in my ears, in my heart, in my mind, and I need to confess them. Sometimes that confession requires more than just between you and God to require accountability with someone that you trust in the faith. Confess one to another your sins, the Bible says. 
Daniel began by making confession. And he said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and keep His commandments, we have sinned. Isn't that interesting? Here's Daniel praying a personal prayer to God, but he is praying on behalf of himself, but also his whole nation. We have sinned. He's going back to the reason why Israel is in Babylon in the first place. Lord, we sinned. We committed idolatry. We know, Lord, Your judgment is upon us because of our sins. He is identifying Himself with the sins of the nation. Can I tell you, there's power in that. There's power when we will begin to take radical responsibility for the sins of our culture, of our city, of our state, of our church, of our nation. Hello. Lord, we have sinned against You. We have committed iniquity. We have done wicked and rebelled. You know, it's, it's amazing because Daniel is a righteous man. He's a prophet. He's a holy dude. And he has done right from his youth, but he's looking at his nation and he's taking that responsibility on himself. Isaiah, when he began to repent before the Lord, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, Isaiah chapter 6, he said, Lord, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He's praying on behalf of the sinful nation around him. This is what we must do if we want to see more than just results in our personal lives. We want to see results in the world around us. We have to take on and begin to cry out to to the Lord on behalf of others. This is what's called intercessory prayer. I'm speaking and believing on behalf of people who may not even know you. Verse 6, he says, We have not heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. Daniel crying out to God, saying, we've been rebellious. Maybe I haven't been so rebellious, but Lord, our nation. Is there still some corporate or some national sin at work in our generation? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a lot. The promise that God gave, as I mentioned before, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name, this is not a promise to the world, it's not a promise to people outside of the covenant, it's a promise to my people, God's people, called by His name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I, God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their their land. As Daniel begins fasting and prayer, remember this, this time of fasting for him was not three days, it was three weeks. And so, of course, as an elderly man, he began to be weak in his flesh. Look at Daniel 10, verses 8 and 9. He says, I was left alone when I saw this vision. And no strength remained in me. Can I tell you, this is exactly where God is trying to get you. I retained no strength. He says, my vigor was turned to frailty. Verse 9, I heard the sound of His words, and while I heard the sound, I was in a deep sleep on my face. I'd like to have that put on a t-shirt, Manda. I was in a deep sleep on my face. Daniel chapter 10, verse 9, with my face to the ground. That's weakness right there. You know, sometimes we have the temptation, okay, uh, I'm just going to, while I'm fasting, I'm just going to, I'm going to hibernate like a bear for 12 hours a day. That's not a good idea. But the reality is that fasting, you'll pay a toll in your flesh and you will be frail and weak, especially if you go without food. But why is that powerful tonight? It's powerful because in our weakness, we then become spiritually strong. It's a paradox. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Paul says, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproach, in my needs, in my persecution, in my distress for the the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know why God wants to make you physically weak? So that you can become spiritually strong. 
See, usually we're the opposite. Usually we're physically strong, we try to be fit, we try to put on a good face, but uh, spiritually, uh, if you could see in the spirit realm, uh, we got like broken legs, we got like an eye patch on one eye, got a peg leg, got a hook for one hand, falling apart spiritually. God wants to flip that script tonight. He wants to make you physically weak so that you can become spiritually strong once again. 2 Corinthians 12.9 Jesus, uh, or the Lord spoke to Paul and said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Don't you want God's strength to made, be made perfect in your life? Does that sound like a good promise? God, I need your strength to be made perfect. How do we get there? Through weakness. Therefore, he says, I will gladly boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be or may rest upon me. Now, so far, we've only looked at Daniel's part of this prayer and fasting. But if we only told that side of the story, we miss the most important part. What Daniel did not know, what Daniel could not know, is what was happening in the supernatural realm while he was praying and fasting. Something was going on in the supernatural realm that he could not see. And in the Scripture, we get to peek behind the curtain. We get to see into the supernatural where the effects of Daniel's prayers are made known clearly. Look at verse 10. As he has lost all of his strength, as he's laying on the ground with his face to the floor, he's lost all his physical vigor, the Bible said. And suddenly, Daniel 10, verse 10, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And i got to tell you, there have been times when I was praying and fasting. Uh, I didn't have an experience like Daniel, but I can tell you the presence of God washed over my soul many times before during fasting, where the love and the presence of God's power overwhelms me. And this angelic assistant came to Daniel, verse 11, he said to me, Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking, I stood trembling. He didn't know. He didn't know all that was going on, but Daniel, there's a revelation that's brought to him. He says, I'm here, Daniel, to help you. Listen, God has supernatural assistance available for you. There was, at this time, an incredible spiritual warfare taking place behind the scenes. Daniel, he's just there, man. He's just praying. He's just doing his thing. He's fasting. He's believing God. He's crying out. He's just sitting in his room and, you know, believing God. And, Lord, you've got to help us. What he didn't know is that the effects of his prayers in the supernatural realm that there was war taking place. There was a battle between heaven and hell. That there were, there were, uh, there were things happening. There was blows being traded, swords being swung. That there was resistance from hell and that angels were moving. For three weeks this was happening. Daniel could not have known. We don't know in the next three days how much spiritual warfare there will be taking place. How many know the devil doesn't like our conferences. The devil doesn't want you to have spiritual victory. The devil wants you to remain in your spiritual prisons forever. He wants you to stay there. He would rather keep you as a captive because he's got you under control. And so he resists against the work of God every day. If you've ever read that famous Christian book called This Present Darkness, by Frank Peretti. If you haven't read it, you got to take a look at it. It is a powerful depiction of spiritual warfare happening around us at all times in novelized form. But it's a reflection of the reality that there are angels and demons fighting right now. I preached a few weeks back how the devil is faithful to send demons to every church service. They're more faithful than many church people. They need to know. They need to gather intel on what's being preached, what prayers are being spoken. They need to be there and listen. Send an informant, the devil says. Go sit in on that potter's house service and see what's going on in there so we can 
we can strategize and we can figure out which buttons to push during the week. That's what he does. And he is doing that because of the spiritual war happening every day between heaven and hell. This angel comes to Daniel and begins explaining it to him. What's been happening for three weeks while he's praying and fasting. Verse 12, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 6 verse 12 explains this battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is why God has given us the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So this angel begins explaining to Daniel, and this, this, is, this is where this sermon came from. Are you ready for this? Verse 12, this angel says to Daniel, Do not fear. From the first day, say the first day, This was three weeks before, 21 days. From the first day, Daniel, that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. He said, from that first moment, God dispatched me with the message that I needed to give to you. That was three weeks ago. And Daniel, for these three weeks, I've had the answer to your prayer. I've had the breakthrough ready for you. I've had uh, everything that you need. And now, he says, I have come because of your words. I want you to think about how important that is tonight. This angel is telling little old Daniel, this man on the earth, he says, for three weeks I've been involved in a battle in heavenly places. And Daniel, it's because of your prayers. It's because of your steadfastness. It's because of your determined, your determined diligence. It's, that is the reason. You didn't give up in prayer. You didn't give up in your fasting. You continued on. You pressed through. And because you did that, Daniel, now I'm standing in front of you. Now you have a breakthrough. What if Daniel would have gone only one week? his words would not have continued and maybe that angel would not have shown up. What if Daniel would have continued for two weeks? and said, man, I'm just really hungry for some T-bone right now. I can just compromise a little bit, right? I mean, I've gone two weeks prayer and fasting. That's a lot, God. But the battle was still raging. He couldn't see it. This angel is saying, because of your diligence, because of your words, because of your prayers, because of you, Daniel, you have opened up God's powerful reservoir of victory, and I'm standing here today. Your words did this, Daniel. That is something powerful to understand. God gave the victory to this angel with the answer to Daniel's prayer. God gave him the victory because Daniel did not give up. For 21 days. Don't ever believe the lies of the enemy tonight. And he will whisper this to you in the next three days. I guarantee it. He'll whisper this to you at about 12.30 tomorrow afternoon when it's lunchtime. And he will say, your prayers mean nothing. Your fasting is so useless. Nobody's going to see if you have a little donut. Nobody's going to see. Nobody, nobody cares pastor's not watching you. But the truth is that your prayers are incredibly important to the kingdom of God. Your prayers have the ability to release angelic forces to defeat the powers of hell. Do not ever believe the lies that your prayer don't matter. Your fasting is useless. Don't believe that. This angel begins to explain to Daniel, listen to this, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, this is Michael the archangel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So God brought backup to this angel. He called in, I need some backup. Fighting against the kingdom, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. 
What this shows us is that in the supernatural realm, that there are demonic forces attached to, uh, to latitude and longitude. There are demonic forces. The prince of the kingdom of Persia had authority over this area where Daniel was. And this angel's trying to get through and trying to make contact and trying to get there. But this, uh, this demonic general says, no, we're going to send our demons to resist this guy. We don't want the people of God to be free. We don't want Daniel to expose the truth of God. We're going to resist him. Can I tell you, there are some princes of the power of Virginia Beach. There are some demons assigned to the Commonwealth of Virginia. There are some demonic forces that are assigned to your neighborhood and your family and people that you care about. And you know what? In your own strength, you have no way of defeating those forces. How are you going to do that? You can't even see them. Can't even sense if they're there or not. Through prayer and fasting. He says, for 21 days, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. 21 days. How long was Daniel fasting? 21 days. For 21 days, that angel was, uh, was battling and, and fighting to get through. And finally, because of Daniel's diligence in prayer, in fasting, God said, okay, now send Michael the archangel. Send him to deliver this message and get this angel where he needs to be. Let's close tonight and look at the results of effective fasting. Number one, Daniel's prayer was answered. Verse 14 says, Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. This angel is about to deliver to Daniel a vision that is useful for the moment that he's living, but also, also useful to show us the future of what's going to happen in the end times. This prophecy that Daniel received is still working miracles in our world today. It is a picture of days yet to come. Daniel sought to understand how. How are we going to be free? And he got his answer. He got that because he prayed and he fasted. Let me ask you, do you, do you, do you need any prayers answered tonight? Maybe you've got a list as long as your arm. Like me. If you don't have anything else to pray for, maybe you could pray for your pastor. Because we need God in this place. Prayers can be answered through effective fasting. Number two, supernatural strengthening by God. Now remember, at this moment that the angel approaches Daniel, he has not had a roast beef sandwich yet. He has not gone down to the kosher deli and ordered a Hebrew national. He hasn't done that. He is still hungry in his flesh. He is still weak in his flesh. But this is what Daniel says, Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. Come on, y'all. That's some good preaching. You and I, we need God's strength. We need more than just what we got because we don't have enough. In your weakness, God can strengthen you. God can raise you up. God can give you the power, the peace, the passion. Once again, God can renew your soul and your vision and your purpose for your future. God can remind you why He saved you. Why He set you free. He can give you strength once again. The third thing that, that was accomplished through Daniel's prayer and fasting was not only personal victory, but kingdom victory. See, there was more involved here than just Daniel's little life and Daniel's little problems. This was nationwide. In fact, it was worldwide. What Daniel was praying for, he entered into another supernatural realm. The answer to Daniel's prayer is, again, if you read the final chapters of the book of Daniel, it is a prophecy which is predicting what life is like in the end times and in the future, in heaven to come giving us clues about how the Antichrist and, and uh, the eschatology for the end times and the return of Jesus and Armageddon, all of that is there in Daniel. In fact, when you read Revelation, you're getting a lot of echoes of this prophecy that Daniel received. Incredible. It affected the entire world. Why? Because we have, we have it in our Bible today. 
The answer that he received is far more important than just Daniel's moment in history. It affected everything afterwards. What could your prayer and fasting accomplish? If you'd be diligent, if you wouldn't give up, if you wouldn't get discouraged. Jesus told a parable that men would pray and not fail. And you know what that parable is. It's the parable of the persistent widow. And in that parable, Jesus explains that there was a widow. In the ancient times, you know that a widow was basically bound in poverty. That she had, there was no social security in those days. And if her husband died, and if she didn't have uh, children to take care of her, then that consigned her to a life of poverty for the rest of her miserable days. And so Jesus tells about this widow who had been wronged. Somebody had perhaps stolen something from her. In this parable, there has been an injustice in her life. And she has to go to what Jesus calls an unjust judge. That means a judge who is compromised. That he is, a, he is not giving correct judgment, so that he's taking bribes on the side. And her case is before this unjust judge. And you look at a situation like that, what are you supposed to do to get justice in a situation like that? I'll tell you what the widow did in Jesus' parable. The Bible said that she pestered him. That every day she showed up and she said, Hey judge, remember my case? Hey judge, remember here I am, I'm waiting for you. Hey judge, I'm still here. It's been three weeks. I'm still asking you to defend my cause. I'm still asking you, make this right. Hey, judge, if you don't do anything, I'm going to still be here. I promise you in six months, if I'm still alive, I'm going to be telling you about my case. I'm going to be here explaining myself. I'm going to have a sign outside your front door, and I'm going to be marching back and forth. Judge my case. Make it right. And this persistent widow, because of her pers- not because the judge wanted to, but simply because she was persistent. Day after day after day after day, drip, drip, drip. He finally said, get out of my face, woman! I will defend you. I will make it right. Not because I like you, but because you're persistent. Jesus told that parable so that we would continue in prayer. Let me ask you, is our God an unjust judge? He is not. Does our God not care about us the way that the unjust judge didn't care about that lady? No, He cares about us, doesn't He? He, in fact, is our Father. And if He is our Father, then not only does He, uh, does he have the power to make wrong things right, but He also has the desire to do that for us. He wants to move on your behalf. He wants to answer your prayer. And if we would be persistent tonight... What limit does God have on His power? I believe that there are victories that are going to come out of this prayer and fasting. I encourage you to join with us. I close with this story about James Gilmore, who was a missionary to Mongolia. He was once asked to treat some wounded soldiers that was happening in a local battle. He was not a doctor, but he did have some knowledge of first aid. But he felt that he could not refuse this request. He dressed some wounds of two of those men. But a third that came to him had a badly broken femur bone. How many know a Band-Aid can't fix that? The missionary had no idea what to do for such a devastating injury. Kneeling beside the man, he asked the Lord, I need your help, God. He had no idea how God was going to answer his prayers. But he was confident that his need would be supplied. He looked around the medical tent, Could not find any books on physiology in the primitive hospital. No doctor arrived. The man is writhing in agony and pain. Then, to complicate matters, a crowd of beggars came, asking him for money. He was so concerned about this patient, but his heart also went out to those beggars. He prepared for them a small gift and gave them a short prayer as well. A moment later, he stared in amazement while one of those weary beggars had remained behind. This this fellow was half starved to death and was little more than skin and bones. 
the missionary student suddenly realized that the Lord had brought him a walking lesson in anatomy. He could see through his skin to every bone in the man's body. He asked the man if he could examine him, and carefully tracing the lines of his bones with his fingers to learn how to treat the soldier's broken leg. He returned to the patient and somehow was able to set the fracture back in place. Years later, Gilmore often related how God provided him a strange yet sufficient response to his earnest and persistent prayer. I want to challenge you tonight. When we raise our petitions, when we begin to call on the name of the Lord, we can also be certain that He will help us. Even if the answer comes by different means than we expected. Tonight, I want to challenge you these next three days, prayer and fasting. You can help. You, can per- you might not be able to sing. You might not be able to play an instrument. You might not be able to lead a thousand people. You might not have a lot of gifts or talents, but I tell you one thing you can do. You can pray. You can fast. You can join in together. And as our churches, the Chandler Wing, all of our churches, we've got something, 120 churches out of the Chandler Church, all of those congregations, those pastors, even now on their Sunday nights, they're hearing a similar message about prayer and fasting. We can be comforted in the knowledge that there are thousands of people joining together with us in this effort to believe God for our conference. Yes, for good decisions there. Pastor Campbell and others will make righteous decisions that we can send workers into cities and nations. We need God's direction for those things. But more than that, there's needs here. There's needs in your life. There are, there are God-sized problems that remain in God's people's lives. And I want to challenge you tonight. Let us begin to pray and fast in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to believe God to help us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then, leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.